0: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: Greeny with you back in better than ever ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. My guest on the Goodyear hotline like the Hall of Famer Ed Reed in a half hour. He'll join me here. His Ravens got a big date in Buffalo coming up on Saturday night. So much football to get into. And then we will dive deeply again into this James Harden trade. But the football news, if you are just getting close. and, And again, Christine Lisi just gave it to you in the Sports Center there. Adam Schefter all over TV with me this morning reporting that the Jacksonville Jaguars and Urban Meyer are very close to a deal that will bring Urban, the legendary college coach, to the NFL. And if you're wondering why that's a job that would be intriguing to him, Field Yates has a very good tweet I just came across in which he says, More than any other job, the Jaguars offer the opportunity to shape a roster going forward as one sees fit. They have 11 draft picks in 2021, including the number one overall, and seven in the first four rounds, and north of $75 million in cap space, most in the NFL. So, as Field says, a ton of work to do, but resources to use, and that's exactly right. And I will admit, there's a little tiny pang that I have that says there, but for a couple of late season wins, could have been the Jets. You could describe the Jets; you could have described the Jets somewhat similarly which is to say they have a ton of cap space and they have a bunch of extra draft picks and they could have had the number one pick in the draft, which would have been Trevor Lawrence. But there's no use in crying over spilt milk or won games. Jacksonville is the team that now appears as though it is on the verge of landing uh, Urban Meyer. And we'll let you know as soon as that comes through, if indeed it does. And it's a very big deal for a number of reasons. One of them is that this feels like a game of dominoes. Uh, Once the first hiring, and this is obviously a huge one, takes place, you might see a bunch of others start to fall over. They can't hire the guys whose teams are still in it. So Brian Dayball, any team that wants to hire him, you can't hire Brian Dayball until the Bills get eliminated, which they hope won't be for a month. If Eric Biennemi is going to get a job in this cycle, they're, they're hoping it's going to be a month before their season is over. So it could be a little while before we start to get those. But usually you start to hear of them long before they become official. So we'll see where it all goes. That's where the conversation begins. Not one, but two huge breaking stories over the last 24 hours in sports. You have Jacksonville. And then, of course, you have the hoops. Yesterday, the James Harden trade, the mega deal, four-team trade blockbuster that winds up with James Harden in Brooklyn with Kevin Durant. And maybe, just maybe, with Kyrie. And if you're just joining me, I just ran through my green list, which is to say my top five players today in the NBA who are active, who have never won a championship. I have James Harden second on that list. My list, Giannis at five, Russell Westbrook at four, Carmelo Anthony at three, Harden is at two, and Chris Paul is at one. That's my green list. I'll bounce it off of Zach Lowe, who will join me live at about 10 minutes. He loves that stuff. Zach is as good with all the basketball as anybody you will ever talk to, so I'm looking forward to chatting with him about all of that, and and we will get into all of this deal here. Look, to me, this is good for the NBA. The stain of the unsightliness, and do not fool yourself, it was unsightly. James Harden basically sabotaged his franchise. He showed up late this year. He let them know he wanted a trade. That's fine. NBA players do that all the time. But then he shows up late. First, he's at a celebrity birthday party. Then he's in Vegas hanging out out there. Then he shows up. And again, I said it yesterday, to be kind, he does not look to be in great shape. You could phrase that a lot of different ways. The kind way to put it is he doesn't look like he's kept himself in tip-top physical condition during this time. And then he's just been going through the motions on the floor. So it's unsightly. But the stain of that will fade quickly if they start playing well and winning. And so the Nets become an incredibly interesting team and an interesting dynamic. And sports is the interesting business. So, all that is good for the NBA. And it is very good, obviously, for the Brooklyn Nets. How good does Vegas think it is? Very good. The Nets, before this deal, had been five and a half to one to win the championship at Caesar Sportsbook by William Hill. After the trade, they are now the second favorite at three to one behind only the Lakers. They are the favorite now to win the NBA's Eastern Conference, I think, with or without Kyrie. The Kyrie factor obviously remains a huge one, and it hovers over the franchise and the entire league until there is some resolution to it, and there's no indication that that, any resolution at all, is coming anytime soon. So a couple of different things that I've heard on ESPN over the last day or so that I wanted you to hear. First of all, Tony Kornheiser on PTI yesterday, I thought, had really interesting thoughts on Harden. To Brooklyn. I will say this about Harden. He's a great, great, great talent. He sabotaged the team he was just on. You don't know if that can happen again. The, the
0: volatility reference is absolutely correct. He has played with Russell Westbrook. He has played with Chris Paul. He has played with Kevin Durant. These are great talents as well. And to my knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong, he's never won a ring. So I don't know what you can bank on,
1: but they have made this trade makes the Nets the most must-see team in the yes. NBA, but by a long distance. So that's right. I, I completely agree with that. And again, the league needs marquee attractions. They need someone for you to root for or against. Some will root for, some will root against. and And that makes it interesting. Again, sports is the interesting business. Now, the most interesting thing about the Nets, obviously, right now, is by far the worst thing. Who would have thought they would trade for James Harden? And that wouldn't be the most interesting thing about an NBA franchise. But, of course, the most interesting thing is Kyrie Irving, who has basically gone AWOL. And if you were with me yesterday, I won't go through all of it again, but I told you yesterday what I think, that this is a person in need of some help. This is not a narcissistic act. It is not an unprofessional act. His departure, I think, is an indication of a problem that I hope he addresses, and I hope he is able to find some help to address. And it is for that reason that I do not believe this thing gets better anytime soon. And I don't know that we will see him on the Nets again. Stephen A. Smith yesterday, right at around this time, while I was on the radio, I saw Stephen A.'s name start trending. And it was because Stephen A. said Kyrie should just retire. And so I had Stephen A. on Get Up this morning, and I asked Stephen A., if you were in charge of the Nets, how would you handle the situation with Kyrie? Here's what Steve said. He's lucky it ain't me. He's lucky. <laughs> I'm not Sean Marks. He look, listen, I'd have Kevin Durant off as your man. Come here, man. Let me talk to you, KD. Um, how long we got to deal with this? Because he here because of you. If you didn't want him here, he wouldn't be here. Because we were cool. We covered Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert. We were cool, all right? But you, we want you so bad. How long we got to deal with this? Because I need a window. Because after that window... Oh, he lucky. I hate to pray. the owner, Please. Kyrie, I, I, I'd give him till the weekend. He'd have it till Sunday night. Monday, if I don't see you, man, he'd be in trouble. He'd be in trouble. That was Stephen A. with me this morning on Get Up, and I think that that's right. I, I look, there's, you can, both these things can be true at the same time. You can be concerned for Kyrie's well-being, and you can also run out of patience with this situation. And those two might both happen at the same time. The NBA is on ESPN Radio. In fact, tonight, their first game without him. John Wall on the Rockets visit the Spurs, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins 7 Eastern on most of these ESPN Radio stations. Zach Lowe will join me next to answer this question. Do the Nets win the title this year? He answers that next. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: Greeny, the podcast.
1: Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance and joining me now on the Goodyear Hotline. The man whose podcast is as good with basketball as literally any you will find anywhere. The Low Post. His name is Zach Lowe and he is with me here on ESPN Radio. Hello, Zach Lowe. What's up, Greeny? I love doing this with you. Before we talk about how good the Nets might be, I love the list. So I do a green list every single day on this show. And here was my list today. The top five active players, historically speaking, not this minute, but active players who never won a championship. Because I was trying to figure out where, where I would put Harden on the list. Here's my list. Giannis, five. Russell Westbrook, four. Carmelo Anthony, three. James Harden, two. And Chris Paul, one. What do you think?
0: Chris Paul won. I love it, Greeny. That is a true basketball nerd's choice. I think that's a pretty good list. I mean, you could get a lot of debate that Harden should go over Paul, but I don't disagree with you that Paul's track record is kind of underrated. He's a legit superstar. He wins everywhere he goes. Who was a tough cut? Are we missing any tough cuts
1: there? I had a little bit of difficulty leaving off Damian Lillard, Who I, and, and you and I have talked about this Ooh. a million times. He's one of my favorite players in the sport. But I just couldn't I couldn't I couldn't put him ahead of Giannis like I needed to put one of the young players in the NBA onto this list. And Giannis clearly belongs. He's already a two time MVP. I mean, he's he's kind of already a historical great despite how young he is. So I, I, I couldn't. And then, and then where to put Carmelo is a conundrum because, you know, no player has done less winning than Carmelo has with all the other things he's accomplished. So I, I struggled with those two.
0: Yeah, those are the ones. I mean, you're right that Giannis is a two-time MVP. That puts him in rarefied error. I mean, even rarer is to win two in a row. So I don't have a big problem with that. Dame is a Dame is a tough cut, but when you look at how high Carmelo is going to rank in scoring, I think it's fine to put, you know, show a little deference to the elders of the league, I guess. Dame will get on that list soon enough, or hopefully for his sake, he gets off it at some point.
1: I like bouncing the stuff off of Zach Lowe because he's just terrific with this. So that, now, now let's get to the business at hand. Let's go through two different realities. One with Kyrie and the other without. How good is Brooklyn? Are are they a championship team in in either scenario or both?
0: Uh, For sure, with without uh, gets dicey just because of all the depth they gave up to get James Harden. And to some degree, James Harden is insurance against the without scenario. You have two stars minimum either way if everybody is healthy, but they've given up so much depth that the two-star model for them, part of the point of being a big two instead of a big three is that you often have much better depth. You can go 10, 11, 12 deep in quality NBA players, which is what the Nets were. They can't do that now without Kyrie. So that one is questionable to me, but uh, we can all make jokes about how are they going to share one ball, this, that, and the other thing. If If those three guys are healthy, this team is absolutely a championship contender and maybe the favorite in the East.
1: And without Kyrie?
0: Without Kyrie, I think they still have a shot to make the finals. I mean, James and Katie are that good, and they have a decent, like they can make an eight-man rotation. They'll get a buyout guy. They'll get another center. They can absolutely still win the East, but it's more of like they maybe need a little luck. It's a dogfight with Milwaukee. If Miami rises back up, that could be a problem. But they're just sort of more just in the mix with everybody else.
1: Zach Lowe is with me here on ESPN radio. And I guess that you have to ask the question that no one seems to know the answer to. What is your sense of how this thing with Kyrie is going to play out?
0: Hey man, if I knew that I'd be writing it right now on ESPN.com. I'm not even sure the Nets know that. I'm not sure anybody outside Kyrie's orbit knows that. I mean, this is fast becoming one of the strangest things, um, I can recall. Look, we all go through periods where we need to step away for a little while for whatever reason. I don't think that that's shameful or abnormal. Uh, violating the COVID protocols is not an awesome look, but the longer this goes, the weirder it, it gets. And and at some point, you you do have an obligation. You're being paid thirty plus million dollars to play NBA basketball. You signed a contract. At some point, you do have an obligation to your teammates, to the organization, to to show up and play.
1: And and do you have any sense then of where the patience level is with Brooklyn? Is I mean, is this something that could go on indefinitely? What is your sense of how long they're willing to let it sit before there was some drastic action?
0: Well, I think, you know, Sean Marks releasing that statement yesterday was step one in, I don't want to say putting pressure on Kyrie, but sort of letting him and the world know, hey, hey, we're watching this and at some point we're we're going to need an explanation and the public is going to need an explanation. Obviously, their their patience is not going to be indefinite. I think the Harden trade sort of provides a little bit of a distraction for a little while. They have an exciting new thing, an exciting new toy to play with, but yeah, they're going to want Kyrie back pretty soon. I mean, it's already surprising. You know, there there were there was some hope that he would be back with the team for Tuesday's game. That obviously didn't happen. Now, Woj is reporting he's not going to be back at all this week, maybe next week. I mean, at some point it's it's going to become an issue.
1: Do you, well, I mean, you already said you don't, but I mean, do we even know why this is happening? Because my my feeling has been, and I, I, well, I don't even go into my feeling. Do you have any sense of why this is happening?
0: I I don't. I mean, I've seen reporting from our our former colleague Ian Begley, who who reported that Kyrie was upset over Jacob, uh, the officers that killed Jacob Blake in Wisconsin, not being charged with anything. Obviously, there's been all sorts of. Uh, madness around Washington, D.C., that could be it. I mean, Kyrie has been very involved in in uh, philanthropy and all of these issues of social justice. So that could be it. You know, I, I, I just I hesitate to even guess because, uh, you know, I don't know Kyrie's business and and, and there is a lot going on, but I, I'm not sure anyone really knows the, the, the specific answer. If the Nets know they're certainly not saying.
1: Right. Yeah. The way they're acting suggests that they have an idea that this that there's a real problem here. We'll see where it winds up. Zach, you know, I always appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk soon. You're the man, Greeny. Have a good weekend. All right. That's again, the low post podcast, which is outstanding. And I don't need to tell you that because I was on it once and the reaction to it was unbelievable. So clearly everybody who loves basketball knows that's the podcast to listen to. All right. Coming up next, the Hall of Famer, the legend, one of the greatest players in NFL history. Ed Reed will join me. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny, with you on ESPN Radio. I come to you live every day from the Seaport District at Pier Seventeen. Brought to you by Chase. Oh, look at that! That is a picture of Nuno and Bubba, the hardworking core staff of this program. Nuno, the man behind the numbers. Bubba, the man behind the hair, who cut off all of his hair, and what I think was just a disgraceful mistake. Uh, we hope to have Ed Reed for you coming up here shortly. Having a little trouble finding it. Hopefully we'll have him as the, the Baltimore Ravens, who made him a legend, uh, will get set to play a playoff game this weekend. I mean, you can't ask for more than you're getting out of these four games this weekend. I think it has a, the chance to be an extraordinary NFL weekend, and we will get to plenty of that. But the big NFL story today, we are waiting to see if Jacksonville and Urban Meyer close this deal. Adam Schefter has been reporting that they are close And I can tell you, having worked with Shefty and known him now for almost 20 years, the tone in his voice. Again, I'm hesitant to sort of read too much into this because he was careful to repeatedly say to me, Greeny, it isn't done yet. Greeny, it isn't done yet. But the tone in Shefty's voice and the urgency with which he was doing it on the air with me all day today, including here on this show, suggests to me that by the time we go to sleep tonight, Urban Meyer is going to be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is really remarkable. And and, he makes the jump from college where he has the highest winning percentage of any college football coach whose career started after World War II. Better than Saban, better than Paterno, better than any of the legends, Bear Bryant, anyone you want to insert. Urban Meyer is as good a football coach as there pretty much has ever been. The jump from the college to the NFL is always an interesting one. But, you know, since I have a moment, I think I will tell you a story. Just going to sit back and have a little story time. Tell me a story. This is my favorite story about Urban Meyer, who I know a little bit. I know him two reasons. One, I know him because um, of my friendship with Chris Carter. Urban Meyer was CC's wide receivers coach in college, and they have remained close through all of this time. And, and, and CeCe, obviously, is an Ohio State legend. And so they have remained close. And through CC, I got to know Urban a little bit. And then, of course, Urban also worked at ESPN between his stint at Florida and Ohio State. And and he was a semi-regular on Mike and Mike during that time. So I know him only a little. But my favorite Urban Meyer story has nothing to do with it. We did not speak to each other on the day of the story. In fact, he doesn't even know that it happened. Or he didn't until I told it one time in front of him. So I, as you may know, am an obsessed golfer. Golf is my favorite sport, and I love it. And I was fortunate enough, blessed enough to be invited to go play Muirfield Village, Jack Nicholas's course in Columbus, Ohio, which is one of the top, I think it's ranked top 20 at this point in the world Certainly top 20 in the country anyway. And it's a magnificent golf course. Has very much the feel of Augusta National. It's a wonderful, beautiful place. And I befriended someone who was a member and I was invited to play. Felt very fortunate and absolutely loved the experience. Urban Meyer, who at that time was the head coach of Ohio State, lived on that golf course. I don't know if he still does or not. But he had a house on the golf course. They actually showed me as I was playing. That's Urban's house over there. So I don't know if he still lives there or not. But so we go there to play. So we're sitting or having a little breakfast before our round, and I had been told in no uncertain terms, they are very strict about etiquette at this place, particularly in the area of cell phones. No cell phone. Don't even bring your phone with you on the course. Don't bring it to the meal. Just leave it in the car or leave it someplace else. But don't even bring your phone. So, of course, I, I follow rules. To the tea. I have no phone with me. None of the members of my group have our phones with us. We are sitting and we are having breakfast in the restaurant there at the club and getting set to go out and play our round. And out the window right behind me, literally I'm sitting right in front of a huge window, walks by Urban Meyer talking on the phone. One of my favorite moments I've ever seen. And I remember saying, I guess when you're the head coach at Ohio State and you won that, this might have been actually the year they won the championship. I said, when you're the coach at Ohio State and you win the championship, you can talk on the phone at Muirfield. And we all had a good laugh out of it. But so that, that is my favorite memory of Urban Meyer. Walks by, he's got a cup of coffee in one hand and the phone up to the ear and he's walking and he's talking and he's on the phone and all the rest of it. And all the rest of us, my phone was, my phone was, I didn't even, I didn't even have the courage to take it, it put it in the golf bag. I left it in the car. I had no phone whatsoever. Spectacular golf experience, by the way. Columbus, Ohio, one of the great golf cities in America. Four top 100 courses within about an hour's drive of each other all told. But anyway, that has nothing to do with this. Urban Meyer, that is just my favorite story about Urban Meyer, and I had a moment to tell it, and so I I, I really like that. But I like him. He is a brilliant coach. What will be interesting to see if he does do this, and look, he's going to have Trevor Lawrence, and he's got all this free agent money to spend, and they got a ton of draft picks. They could go from zero to 60 in the blink of an eye if they get it right. Urban's offense has never worked in the pros. Urban, if you look at all the games that he has won and all the winning he's done, the quarterbacks never made it in the NFL because that was pure RPO. RPO and Urban Meyer basically are are fully identifiable with each other from the success with Tebow, Alex Smith. Well, Alex Smith made it in the pros. I shouldn't say that. Alex Smith was his quarterback at Utah and had great success and and has had a long and excellent NFL career. But we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what kind of offense they run. Because Trevor Lawrence, while he does run with the ball better than you expect him to, that's not his game. I I think Trevor Lawrence looks to be your prototypical classic NFL quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of offense Urban runs. My gut feeling is that's going to happen today. But again, that is not by any means assured. We'll wait and see if it winds up going in that direction. Greeny with you presented by Progressive Insurance. Cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and much more all at at Progressive.com. Something else I wanted to get into here, and, and that is just the brewing situation in Houston with Deshaun Watson. They've got two disgruntled superstars in the city of Houston, or at least they did at this time yesterday. One of them they got rid of. And again, Harden going to the Nets, it absolutely had to happen. He got traded two months ago. The team just didn't know it. And all things considered, they did pretty well. They had no choice but to get rid of him. The Houston Texans are on the absolute opposite end of that spectrum. They have no choice but to keep Deshaun Watson and to make him want to stay. Because we are at a time when players, even in the NFL, particularly players as significant as he is, have an unprecedented ability to control their own fate. And if he decides he really wants out of there, he can make it happen. And Deshaun Watson is by far the best thing about the Houston Texans, maybe the best thing that ever happened to the Houston Texans. And they would be out of their minds to trade him. They would be out of their minds to allow him to want that. They've got to go find a way to make this work. And so I know a lot of fans don't tend to like when players are openly upset about things. So if you're saying to yourself, why might Deshaun Watson be frustrated enough to force his way out of Houston, pull up a chair. Because we have a lot to unpack here. Let us start with just how good he was this year. You've heard people say, wow, Deshaun Watson had a great season. Let's talk about just how great it was. In the entire history of the National Football League, there have been four quarterbacks who ever completed 70% of their passes at eight and a half yards in attempt over a full season. Four. Three of them are Joe Montana, Steve Young, and Drew Brees. They each did it once. In each of those three seasons, their teams won the Super Bowl. Montana's team, Young's team, and Brees' team, in the year they did that, won the Super Bowl. This year, Deshaun Watson became the fourth quarterback to do it. His team went 4-12. and 4-12. You can't be further from the Super Bowl than they were. How did that happen? First, because they couldn't run the ball at all. They had the fewest rushing yards in the National Football League this year. But a bigger problem? Their defense was unimaginably terrible. Fifteen seasons now, ESPN has been tracking defensive efficiency, That adds up to 480 teams, 480 defenses that ESPN has tracked statistically in terms of defensive efficiency. This is what analytics are. Out of those 480 teams, Houston's defense this year ranked 478th, 478 out of 480. That is why you saw that clip of J.J. Watt apologizing to Deshaun when they were walking off the field when their season was over because Deshaun Watson gave them one of the greatest seasons of all time and was surrounded by total trash. Remember, too, this is a franchise that traded away DeAndre Hopkins, who had been first-team All-Pro three consecutive seasons leading into that. The combination of Watson and Hopkins led the NFL with 25 touchdown catches, 25 touchdowns in in that combination, more than any other pair in the NFL. They traded away DeAndre Hopkins. He went to Arizona and caught 115 balls this year. And now the Texans not only aren't paying, it seems, any attention or worse, paying lip service to what Deshaun Watson thinks they should do. But they have very little opportunity to get better. Nick Casario has his work cut out for him because they don't draft until the third round this coming year because they traded two twos, excuse me. They traded two ones and a two to Miami for Laramie Tunsil. Meanwhile, the franchise's other legend, the franchise has two legends in its history, J.J. Watt and Andre Johnson. Andre Johnson, whom you have forgotten, even though he was one of the best receivers of all time. But you have forgotten him because the team was so bad all the years that he was there. And he was the least of the self-promoters maybe of any receiver ever. Andre Johnson had not sent out a tweet in two years that was not an advertisement for something. But he tweeted that Deshaun Watson needs to stand his ground because the Texans have been known to ruin careers. You think he's not being serious about that? You think this doesn't matter to Andre Johnson? You think those aren't serious feelings? He hasn't tweeted in two years. That's the only thing he's posted. So what happens now is the question. Frankly, the answer is whatever Deshaun wants. His team may not have listened when he suggested coaching candidates, but if he really does demand a trade or, as Shefty suggested, withhold his services, that will be something they absolutely cannot ignore. And every team in the NFL should be desperately trying to figure out a way to trade for him. And if the Texans do trade for him, then they probably need to wrestle control of the franchise away from the people running it. Because it is just a dysfunctional mess, and you would then be losing by far the best thing that ever happened to your team. Greeny, with you on ESPN Radio. And again, we were not going to have uh, Ed Reed here today, as we had hoped, as we had planned. We will reschedule that, and we will talk to the Hall of Famer again at some time soon. Meanwhile, my picks are brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. And each week, I give you a little glimpse into some of the players I'm looking at on DraftKings this weekend. And you know, these when it gets down to just four games. So the eight teams to choose from, then is when the little tiny differences start to really matter. Because everyone, you only have so many options. I mean, there are only so many quarterbacks that you can take and all the rest of that. So to me, the question is, do you go all in on somebody? That's my strategy when it comes to DraftKings this weekend. Go all in on one of these teams. And the risky one, but I kind of like it, is Cleveland. Cleveland. Kansas City does a lot of scoring. They score a lot of points, and they score them fast. Cleveland's defense is weak in the area where Kansas City is strong. Kansas City may, which is to say their pass defense stinks. So the Chiefs may score a whole bunch of touchdowns in like three minutes. The Browns are going to have the ball a lot. The question is, can they do damage with it? But I think not only one, but both of their running backs are really interesting possibilities this weekend. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they'll both be expensive on DraftKings. But I think not just one, but both of them are fascinating plays. And I'm not even sure I would i would shy away from Baker, too. I think the Browns are going to have a big day. I think the Browns are going to play really well. I am by no means picking them to beat Kansas City. But I think that game is a shootout. Nothing works better for DraftKings than a shootout game. That is a game that I think goes into the 60s in total points, which means... I like picks on both sides of it. The Chiefs stars tend to be super expensive. I'd be looking at Cleveland and maybe both running backs as a sneaky, interesting play. All right, I love this note. When Tom Brees and Drew uh, Tom Breeze <laughs> When Tom Brady and Drew Brees go head to head on Sunday, they rank number one and number two all time in passing yards and passing touchdowns. There's only been one occasion in history where the number one all-time passer faced the number two all-time passer in a playoff game. Any guesses? Any guess who it was? Brandon Phillips, my stage manager. Who do you think? Jan Marino versus John Elway Elway is correct. That is spectacular. Had you seen that, or did you you just guess that? That is correct. The only other playoff game between the top two all-time in passing yards was 1998. When John Elway's Broncos beat Dan Marino's Dolphins 38-3 to en route to his second of back-to-back championships for John Elway, it was the last playoff run of his career, the last season of his career. So this has happened once before, or it has not happened since then. It happens this weekend. Take a picture of this game. Take a picture of Saints-Bucks. These are two legends. You will not see them go head-to-head again. This is going to be Breeze's last hurrah. Who knows how much more we have from Brady This is a matchup and a game, potentially, you'll be telling your grandchildren about someday. By the way, speaking of that, let's see how good you all are. What do you think the last time is that the top two scorers in NBA history went head-to-head in the playoffs? So I just gave you the football. The last time the number one all-time leading scorer and number two all-time leading scorer went head-to-head in the NBA playoffs. To be clear, it was a long time ago, so it is not Kareem. Kareem was not the all-time leading scorer. Karl Malone, who is currently second, none of those guys are involved. We're going a ways back, but their names you know. It was the 1972 Western Conference Finals, Wilt Chamberlain's Lakers, Oscar Robertson's Bucks. Wilt, by the way, won finals MVP that year. The Lakers won the championship. That was the one they won sandwiched in there in between the Knicks titles of 70 and 73. Wilt's only title with the Lakers. So Wilt played against Oscar Robertson. And I got one more for you. Let's see how good you really are. Hockey. The last time the top two goal scorers in NHL history went head to head. This is going a ways back. A ways back to 19... 58, Maurice Rocket Richard scored seven games, excuse me, seven goals in a four-game sweep of Gordie Howe's Red Wings. Richard versus Gordie Howe. So this doesn't happen often. The last time the two top scorers in NHL history met in the playoffs was 1958. The last time the top two scorers in NBA history met uh, in the playoffs was 1972. In the NFL, it happened in 98, and it happens again Sunday. So if you're looking for something to be excited about, that's what we're watching. Sunday afternoon, all-time history, Brady and Breeze. And the winner probably gets Aaron Rodgers. So you can't ask for a whole lot more than that coming up this weekend in the NFL. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. All right, one more piece of business before we wrap it. The Brooklyn Nets
0: are acquiring Houston's James Harden in a blockbuster deal.
1: He gets his wish in every way. This trade makes the Nets the most must-see team in the NBA by a long distance. All right, of that, Mr. Kornheiser, there is no question. The Nets now become the most interesting team in basketball, and sports is the interesting business. They need things to happen that you are interested in, and so I can't imagine anyone isn't interested to see how this goes in Brooklyn. So there are a million different ways to take apart this trade and take apart this deal and take apart what it has been and what it will be. So we'll take them in order. First... The way Harden went about getting himself out of Houston was shameless and shameful. This is a man getting paid $40 million by an organization that gave him everything you could ever possibly want. And him wanting out of there is fine. I have zero issue with that. But him behaving in the such a way that he didn't show up for training camp and he's out there at a celebrity's kid's birthday party and then he's in Vegas and he's all that stuff and then he shows up completely out of shape and basically sleepwalks through the beginning of this season. That's shameless and it's shameful. But it is the way these things sometimes tend to go. And the stain of it doesn't tend to last. So I'm not sitting here telling you this is something that I think will stick to him because it will not. The way this thing will be judged will be exclusively by how it goes going forward. And for that, it is completely on the players now. When LeBron and D-Wade and Chris Bosh got together in Miami a generation ago, they made the decision, we are each going to sacrifice whatever it takes in order to win championships. Bosh sacrificed everything. He was capable of being the best player on high-level NBA teams. He became by far the third wheel. Dwayne Wade basically sacrificed being the star of his own team. They figured out in order to win This had to become LeBron's team. So the sacrifices were there and LeBron sacrificed in his own ways as well. And you're seeing it now with LeBron and Anthony Davis. LeBron more and more willing to cede to Anthony Davis, who at some point soon is going to be the greater player on that team. So it's on KD and James Harden to figure that out together, and they will. We've been told by everybody that these two put this thing together in L.A., during this abbreviated offseason, they got together and they decided, let's play together. Let's make this happen in Brooklyn. The big question, the 100000 the $1 million dollar question, the $100 million dollar question is, where is Kyrie and what is he going to be in this? And when will we know? And unfortunately, we have answers to none of those questions. But the answers to those questions will determine a lot because it's as simple as this. Those three together working together, in my opinion, are easily the best team in the Eastern Conference and I think have an excellent shot, maybe close to 50-50, maybe even 50-50 to beat LeBron and the Lakers and win the championship. Without Kyrie and a lot of the depth they gave up to get Harden yesterday, I think the Nets become a primary contender in the Eastern Conference I wouldn't put it past those two guys to get them out of the East into the finals, but I put them a decided step below the Lakers. So Kyrie holds all the cards and what he decides to do with them. And when he decides to play them is anybody's guess. Thanks for hanging out today. I'll see you tomorrow morning on get up and then back here on ESPN radio.